Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Three Top Chat. This is episode 28 and as you probably noticed if you're watching this, uh, you know, we're doing this on a different time, a different day this time. And the reason is that we have the honor of going down under uh, to Australia today to speak uh, to Recoil.com, which is, um, I'm sure you're aware, uh, a leading manufacturer of chainsaw lanyards, among uh, other things. So um, uh, we're going to speak to uh, Dan at, at Recoil.com um, and hear what he has to say about, you know, his products and uh, some other developments. So uh, Dan, are you there? No, he's still not there. We're waiting for him. So um, what we're going to be, uh, you know, what they're making is, um, you know, I think their biggest product is, is uh, are the uh, the full recoil um, chainsaw lanyard. So this is the big boss for bigger saws, um, for top hand saws, which is the you know the full reach. Uh, very popular uh, lanyards. Um, and we're going to hear Dan tell us a little bit more about, you know, his product and the company. So, welcome. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Anders. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's uh, it's um, 9 o'clock Saturday morning, you know, um, cold uh, and uh, bad weather. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you have a different situation, huh? Yeah, definitely. It's 6 o'clock in the evening on Saturday evening and... I don't know if you can see, I've got the fan on and the air conditioning yeah. on because <laughs> it's warm here. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a different different climate than, than we were used to. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your background. You know, how did the recall, the recall come about and uh, how did that process look like? Uh, yeah, okay, well, it's kind of a funny story because uh, uh, recoil sort of started by accident. So um, I was working for a company called Tree Gear, which is probably a, a similar sort of company to yours. So they're a, a tree, an art supply company based out of Melbourne. And okay. I'd, I'd been working as an arborist for a few years in Melbourne, having come over from the UK and working at Tree Gear. I was also doing a little bit of contracting on the side as well. And okay. One of my good mates, Timmy, came up to me and was like, Dan, we need to sort out this problem because in Melbourne, it's quite, it was quite different. People were rigging their saws up differently. They'd have a lanyard on the back of their saw. Then what we'd do is we'd put a rock climbing quick draw sling around the handle so that okay. we put a carabiner in it and hang it onto our tool hook with one hand and then unclip it with one hand as well. Wow. So, and then we got our heads together because Timmy was like, "Look, we need to, we need to work out a way where we don't have to have a quick draw sling and the lanyard. Just put the two together, Dan. Can you work it out?" And you know, many nights on a sewing machine trying to work out how to do this um, equaled the very first few prototypes, which weren't really prototypes. All they were was chainsaw lanyards for me and for Timmy and for our mates, just for us to use. And it escalated from there. That's a nice story. So, you know, you're, you're selling all over the world now, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're selling all over the world. We've, um, we've got distribution partners um, in the UK. So Honey Brothers, as you would know, like um, 
distribute for us for the UK and Europe and Cheryl in the US like distribute for there and we've recently taken on universal field supplies to look after Canada and yeah, yeah it's really flattering but yeah we're in stores all over the world now and on climbers harnesses even further afield. Yeah, exactly. I just I was just you know before you came on I was just showing some of the uh, you know the pros that we stock and you know they're they're very popular. People like them a lot. So, um, so do you have a chance now because you're you're an arborist yourself? But you you are you still working part time as an arborist, or is it full time running the company? Full time recoil. So yeah, um, <laughs> I've gone from being a full time arborist to um, yeah, the to, corporate man. Yeah, sort of corporate. Like um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a mixture of as you probably know, like you end up doing a whole range of different things, but I still get to climb yeah. because I get to test out products and I get to muck around with stuff. And where I'm based in Australia, actually, it's just coming into cyclone season. So taking coconuts off of trees is a thing. And okay. I've helped out family friends as well by reducing trees because of cyclone season. You don't want them going over. So uh, where, where are you based in Australia? So, personally, I'm based up in a place called Townsville, which is northeast of the country. But our warehousing for Recoil is based down in Melbourne. So, okay. I was living in Melbourne for many years and have, in maybe 18 months ago, moved up here. So, you're, you're in, the, what is it called, the Northern District? or uh, it's called, I'm in North Queensland. So Queensland is okay. that I'm in and like, it's kind of divided. So, uh, uh, above Ayers Rock and all that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. As like latitude wise, yes, it's further north than, yeah, than Ayers Rock. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> I need to check it out on my, on my map, uh, you know, the globe I have in my living room. It's basically so, the start of the Great Barrier Reef. So okay, so okay, starts. but further, further to the uh, to the west, right? Uh, no, we're actually I'm on the coast, so the beach. Oh, okay, is, so yeah, but that that is more Cairns, and uh, you know, yeah, Cairns is a three, um, maybe it's actually a five-hour drive north from us. Okay, yeah, <laughs> well. I'm I'm sorry for for you to have give us a you know geography lesson here, but you know oh, don't <laughs> let's worry continue. That's fine. <laughs> so uh, you, you often use the the term industrial athlete. Uh, so well, tell us a little bit about you know that what that entails and what it means. Mm, um, I was looking through your questions when you guys flicked them over to us earlier, and like we could actually go really in depth onto like all of these questions if we want. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep it short and sweet, but um, I suppose coming from the industry, like I've, I've been an arborist for years, and um, before that, when I left school, I actually qualified as a technician with BMW, and then I've been an arborist for many years, and then now I'm off of the tools, and like with that range of experience looking at the arb industry with the value of hindsight um it's like you can really see in hindsight just how just how tough a job it really is yeah. 
like when you're in it, when you're doing it on a day-to-day basis, it's just, it's just what you do. You get through the days, you work hard, you're proud of your job. And on weekends, you might even like still climb and contract on weekends. You might rec climb on weekends. But um, when it comes to the athlete side of things, um, I used to compete a lot when I was younger in like martial arts and like Thai boxing and stuff. And like, not that I was high, high level, but there was a lot of people at the gym with world titles and were full-time athletes. And when you look at those guys and girls which are competing at that level, they're athletes full-time. And what it takes to be an athlete at that level, like, it's, it looks so similar to what an arborist does on a day-to-day basis. And when you think about it, you're working... Like when I was on the tools as well, you'd be working eight, 10, I don't know, maybe 12 hour days. And you'd be doing that, say, six days a week, seven days a week sometimes, depending on what's going on. But like even outside of your like work life and your downtime, you're always thinking about it. And it's those exact same traits that you have when you're like a full-time athlete as well. So... The similarities there for me are, you know, it's unmistakable, especially the level of physical endurance and fitness you have to have, and also the mental game as well. The mental game of being an arborist is a big part of it as well. So I I suppose, you know, since you've been, you know, competing for many years and being an arborist yourself, you know, I I suppose that's um, part of the job that you're missing, being now a corporate guy, huh? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you like as much as I probably wouldn't like to admit it, the adrenaline side of being in the arb industry is a like it's a big draw card. Like for me anyway, when I was on the tools, um climbing big trees, doing big rigging, using cool gear, that that was my style of tree work. <laughs> I can see that on your smile. You're missing that. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. And I think that's why I'm such a gear junkie. Like, that's why, you know, I've got all of this going on is because I I love the gear. I love the big trees. I, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I I do miss it. Uh, I see that. You know, originally from the the UK, uh, you know, uh, how's been, you know, You know, working in Australia and, and you know, working in an in Australian corporation shaped you, you think? <clears throat> Man, that's a big question. Like, I'm completely, I think for everyone, there's a lot of um, at least UK and European climbers which do come over to Australia and, and like, take on the experience of tree work here because there's a lot of similarities but there's a hell of a lot of like differences as well. So how did it shape me? I mean, I suppose the first weekend I was in Australia, I was 26 years old um, and the Victorian climbing comp, so down in Melbourne, the Victorian climbing comp was on that first weekend. And I went along to it just spectating and Victoria is kind of a hub for um, for climbing. There's a lot of very good companies in that state. And 
the level of climber that was there at that competition and it was just a state just a state competition like was in fact i'd not seen climbers like that before i think kia martin um who's won the women's world title a number of years she was she was in the masters and like i've got this very very vivid recollection of her I can't remember what trees they were climbing. Maybe they were angophoras or something like that. So tall trees with a good spread on them. Um, and the top anchor point, it was the master's comp, so she'd stepped in there. And I could see, everyone could see the union that you'd want to put your line over. Yeah. And she just got her throw line out, casual as anything, just popped open the foul timer and went. And it just looked so effortless, like threading a needle. It just sailed perfectly through the union. And normally it would take me, if I'm honest, half an hour of swearing and not getting the right union <laughs> to, to have made that shot. And she just made it look so effortless and then was moving around the tree so effortlessly. And that is, that's one of the big things I think coming to Australia changed is the skill set that I think I had to adopt. Like coming from climbing UK trees and and then coming over here and then trying to climb like the big eucalyptus here uh, mm. like the skill set is massively different and even the opportunities I feel like I've had so many opportunities here because of the arborist industry that I just wouldn't have had so one of the companies I worked for was the tree works and it was on my list to work for that company <clears throat> and it's owned by a guy called tom greenwood i think he sits on the board of the isa at least for i think the competitions and stuff and he's really well known in the industry at least in australia and like and the like the wider community as well but um i was working for him and just as the annual like trip that he used to take the employees on, he took us down to Tasmania, which has got some of the world's biggest trees in it. And Tom and Brett Misford are known for being the people which first measured Centurion, which is the 100 meter tall eucalyptus regnans down there. Wow. So he, he took us down there. We couldn't climb Centurion, but he took us up another tree as well. And I think from memory, it was like either 89 or 91 meters tall. And having the opportunity to climb trees like that, I just wouldn't have had that in the UK. So, <laughs> yeah, so nice. uh, that's nice. So where, where in the UK were you based when you, uh, before you moved over to Australia? Uh, so I was based, so I worked for a company. I did all my training at a company in Essex, in Nathan okay. Essex. Yeah, and they were great. Just a small company, but like really good level of training there, which was awesome. And yeah, yeah I, was, I was based around the south of England mainly, and I lived in Bristol for a little while, uh, but was mainly working, you know, around okay. the southeast of England. Okay, so very nice, you know, nice, very nice background. I suppose you have no plans of moving back. I don't. I'm a permanent resident here now. It took like nine years to get that, but finally there. And my other half, she's 
she's an Aussie citizen, so you know, <laughs> I've done what a lot of UK guys do: come over here and yeah. end up with an Aussie girl, and then put down roots here. <laughs> right. So, were were you down in in Kapunda last year? About this time, it was actually in October. So you were down there. Yeah. Man, Red Bull. I'm really biased about this, but I feel like as the place where the Red Bull branched out comp started, like with a my biased view, I feel like it couldn't have started anywhere else. I'm sure there's a lot of <laughs> fantastic places to climb, like to to be an arborist and do tree climbing around the world. But for me, the fact that like it started in the big red gums here, like yeah. that, like that is the archetypical like arborist climbing comp in my mind. Like right. it is. Yeah, I saw, some, I saw some pictures that you know it's it's uh, it was a uh, you know very very impressive sight. Yeah, watch some some of the videos, and you know we we actually sponsored somebody that went down there to the trip, so um, uh, to participate in the competition from Torsberger. Yeah. Oh, uh, awesome! Yeah, I I met her there. It was awesome meeting. Like, it's awesome meeting all the people which you connect yeah. with on Instagram and other social medias at comps like that. Yeah. It was actually a whole bunch of Swedes that went that went down there. I think uh, you know I know at least um, six or seven people that were down there. I think so, uh, um, it was a big thing. Yeah, I think John introduced me to Frogsy that you had on the show. Yeah, yeah. John Frogsy. He, I think he introduced me to one or two two guys that come over from Sweden as well. Like it's great. Yeah. Like how good an event is that? That yeah, exactly. Like it's just brought people from all over the world together. Uh, it was it was probably Douglas Wells who's been down there a couple of times as well. You know, he, yeah. he actually right now it's another thing running uh, Arb Days. It's, you know, it's it's uh, you know uh, on Zoom because people can't meet as you know. So uh, there, you know, we're going to participate later on today to a, on that as well. So there's always something going on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now we've got a really good industry to be a part of, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, not very affected by, you know, this coronavirus, which I hope can go away soon. You know what? Touch wood. Like, we've been really lucky um, as an industry. Like, when I talk to other people from other industries, like, I'm, I, I really, I'm really thankful that, that we're, in the, we're in ARB, for sure. Like, other industries have been hit so hard. I know. I, I have friends that are selling other gear, and, and you know they've been hit hard. So uh, yeah, we're we're in the right industry, that's for sure. So let, let's talk a little bit about your products. You know, um, uh, you know, you have three main divisions. You know, rope access, construction, uh, and arborage. So uh, how do you think they compare? Uh, you know, the different segments. Yeah, um, I suppose. Well, here's the thing: we're we're always like first and foremost, an ARB brand. And um, it's because it's that's my background, but probably what I didn't mention is that, uh, I don't think I mentioned it, is that when I was also, I was working at Tree Gear and I was also contracting into the entertainment rigging industry as well. So that's a construction rigging ticket yeah. that you need for that. 
So that's that's kind of the start of that range as well. So okay. um, I was a climber within the rigging industry as well, and and there's a lot of overlaps between the two industries. Like being an arborist, going into doing some entertainment rigging as well. Like there was a lot of overlap. There's a lot of skills which overlapped and um, taking the experience from our into that and then also seeing gaps like the bolt bag and the light reach kit came because of working on the Coldplay job. When we were rigging the stadium for Coldplay, um, okay, like cool. the towers and putting all the steel work together for that, that's how the, like, the construction, the rigging stuff came about. Oh, so geez. for me, there's a lot of overlap. And I don't know if it's the same um, for you guys, but a lot of our dealers, a lot of our stores in Australia, they supply the arborist industry, rope access, and also construction rigging industry as well. So like the range, the arb gear overlaps into the rope access, overlaps into the rigging industry. So the selection pretty much ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of our dealers. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we're more like a specialist uh, arborist shop, but certainly, you know, we have all the agreements in place and sometimes we deliver to to that type of industry as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, different harnesses and different carabiners and, uh, you know, shock absorbers and other things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, that might be something for the future, to be honest, you know, uh, since we already have all the agreements in place. Uh, yeah. Our problem, our problem is is uh, is space right now. So we're we're looking for you know another premise uh, here in the short term to, to be able to continue our growth. That's awesome. so, uh, congratulations! You've outgrown the place. Sorry, I said congratulations! You've outgrown the place. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we've been here about ten months. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, it's it's uh, it's the thing when you're starting with shoes and clothing and stuff. You know, it's it's very demanding in terms of space and you know carrying all the different sizes and colors. Yeah, so, there's a lot um, of because of, yeah, yeah, clothing would be tough because of all the sizes and then all the colors within the sizes. Exactly. You know, yeah. that's a big challenge. That's a very big challenge. So we saw some very nice pictures. Uh, you know, you took part in the uh, in the breast cancer awareness, and so did we, actually. Uh, so um, uh, selling all the, the pink lanyards. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, is that a tradition, and, and is that something you're going to continue? Uh, yeah, so that was actually the first year that we've ever that we've ever done it, and it actually happened because our distributor Honey Brothers in the UK they actually got in contact with with us and said, "Hey, can you do something for Breast Cancer Awareness Month?" And um, cancer has hit my family like recently, like in relatively recent past and so like i know how much it like it really affects obviously the individual but it affects the whole family unit and the friendship network right. around that one person so like it's a no-brainer for me to be fair i was a bit nervous about it because i didn't think we were big enough to be able to do it justice but as it turned out, um, I'm really grateful to to our UK distributor for saying, can you do it? Because we bit the bullet, gave it a go, and we were cutting it really fine with the production. Like, getting, getting the production done in such a short space of time, 
we only just managed to pull it off and i'm really glad we did because we managed to raise like a nice amount of money for um for the breast cancer awareness foundation over here and i think through honey brothers as well they did with the uk and yeah it was it was a massive success and yeah. To be fair, I'm because just... you know, uh, you know, I, I, I had, I had them in order, but you know, I didn't get any, so uh, you know, I, they were, they were sold out instantly. It was, just, I can't believe how quickly they all went. But I, like next year, we'll make sure that like everybody, everybody gets them. We're going to have to do a much bigger production because it was a limited edition run. We were like, okay. We don't know uh, how many to do. You just, yeah, you don't know. For no, I know. <clears throat> I know it's hard to predict, but, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, there, it differs, you know, in terms of, you know, all the, all the products that are coming out from different manufacturers on, on you know, uh, October uh, yeah. in, in, in the, you know, breast cancer awareness. So um, some of them sell straight away and, and some of them you, you keep for a couple months, but, you know, it's, it's uh, hard to predict. But, you know, these were really popular. So, yeah. um I think uh, you know the, the the production run you made was sold out instantly. So yeah, but you know, look, looking forward to to next year to have uh, have more of those in stock. Awesome, that would be nice. <clears throat> so you know what we're doing right now is we carry you know the the big boss and the uh, the full recoil. So um, very popular products. Um, tell us a little bit about your your whole range and you know uh, what to have and what might be upcoming. Ah. Uh. <laughs> um, so obviously the full range we've got the full reach lanyard and the big boss which are very arborist specific yeah. although they do get used in like across other industries as well um we've got the light reach range and those have been those have been flying off the shelves they've been really good and they're just a lighter weight lanyard they've been They've been snapped up a lot by the rope access and rigging industry, but um, like a few arborists have been using them for their competition saws as well. Okay. Just because of not getting DQ'd in a competition because of dropping your silky. Like I've done that yeah. in the past before. I got DQ'd halfway <laughs> through a, a work line. So okay. yeah, those have been great. And the bolt bags have been like going great guns recently as well which yeah which i'm stoked with but um ultimately we've got more arg gear um in in different stages of r&d so there's some gear which is out with some great climbers around the world getting tested and we've gone through version ones and we've gone we're in version twos and um, okay i can't say too much about that stuff and there's there's more stuff besides those ones as well at other stages of R and D. But um, I'm pretty specific about not rushing the process. Like I really want to get these designs locked in. Like yeah. get them working really well. Get them ticking all the boxes that we want them to tick for functionality and ergonomics and all all of that list um yeah of course yeah yeah so, so we're we're, to we're talking 2021 i suppose or yeah we're talking 2021 um for some of it and yeah, yeah like now i see that now i see that smile again 
<laughs> I love new gear. I like. Um, I'd be your perfect customer when I was a climber because I'd be in there buying all of the new stuff, trying out yeah. new techniques, um, mucking around with the latest gear. Like, yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I won't stop pushing it further than that. But, you know, we're looking forward to see, you know, some, some more products. And uh, it's going to be very exciting to see what you have in, in the pipeline. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting it out there as well. Like, it's, yeah. um, you're pulling from both directions. One side of you is so, like, desperate to get it out and get people using it and having fun using it and, like, enjoying working with the gear. And then the other side of you is being ultra pedantic trying to tick every little box make everything perfect yeah 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 that's really you know we're 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 talking about those already but you know the uh you know we talk about you know the production development process how does it look you're always into you already started talk about you know the different stages you're in and you're testing with different arborists around the world and you know you don't want to rush things but is, is there a set fixed process that you have on paper that you follow or, you know, how does that work? Sort of. It depends on, it depends on the product, but yeah. So usually what happens is, um, prototype in-house prototypes are produced, like basically, um, a concept model to make sure that the theory that, that I have, the, like the people which, we're collaborating with have like that the concept and the theory works because you can have yeah. a great idea but then when you put it into practice for some reason um like it doesn't work the way you think it works or it brings up like um other issues that it doesn't work smoothly with other pieces of equipment so getting that first concept model right is the first part of the process and then like refining that concept to being something that um, ticks essentially all the rest of the list that you want it to achieve. And then mm. taking that, um, those first few prototypes and running it out with all of the testers. So all of the testers will try the gear and we use Qualtrics forms. So you have forms and you've got like a criteria that you want it to meet. And you want it to be unbiased as well. So you send out these forms to all of your climbers and then they go, this was great. This wasn't great. Um, if I could do one thing better, like if I could tweak one thing about it, I would tweak this. If okay. I could like keep one thing about it, I would retain this bit. And then, and then you go on to a version two and refine it down. And the funny thing is, is like you can keep refining and keep refining. Um, like infinitely potentially yeah, exactly. so it's, it's also reining that in and then we go from that into factory production prototypes so mm. you then need to create a tech pack so that's um you might know it as a spec sheet which is essentially the blueprints of the product and also the process um to bring the product to life through the manufacturing process and then that goes off to the factory and then the factory comes back with their prototypes and you need to get those dialed in because making one or 10 or a hundred of something is very different to making thousands of something. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a very top level view of 
how prototyping or how we prototype. I'm sure there's there's a lot which we can learn from the bigger companies on all of this. But um, yeah, if anything, well, you know, it, 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 it sounds you know I, I I've seen a lot of production and and you know it it it, uh, it looks like you uh, you have a very you know set process there you know and, and essentially that that's really how it works in in yeah in manufacturing. Oh, also yeah. like being comfortable with getting it to the 11th hour and then going this still isn't going to work because of whatever it is and then being mm. happy to put that 99% developed product back on the shelf and go once we tick xyz boxes then we can bring it to market but that prototype is nearly done but it's not coming to market quite yet no, exactly, and I, I think you know the uh, the big challenge is really to uh, decide when to stop to take on a, a, you know additional you know uh, feedbacks and you know changes to the product you know because you know eventually somebody else is on the market and you know <laughs> releasing yeah. something that's quite similar. So you know yeah. uh, you need to have a you know a very very defined process in order when to stop and start. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, how has it been to see, you know, Recoil, you know, expand into, you know, the, uh, the you know, the, the company it is today? You know, your, your, your products are in, in, you know, in stores in very cold countries in, in the north, <laughs> you know, all over Asia and in the U.S. and Canada and so forth. So yeah, you, you, must be, uh, you must be very happy with what you have achieved. Yeah, I, sorry, just turning on the light, it's just going... It's just turning to dust. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. Like, often I don't think about it. You just get caught up in the, in the work. You just get caught up in the day-to-day -day stuff often. And you forget to take that step back and look at, look at where you've gotten to. And, like, essentially from from a tool lanyard, a chainsaw lanyard, that was just to look after a few climbers in Melbourne back in 2015. Like, coming from that, coming from the prototypes that we were just using because we liked them better than, yeah. than we had before, um, coming from that all the way to, to where we are now, it's, it's really flattering. Um, because that's the funny thing, especially with social media, nowadays is i can literally be scrolling through the feed and people haven't tagged us but you just see in their photo that they're using some recoil gear and it's like it's really flattering like it's the, yeah. it's the best thing ever and often in the day-to-day -day work you forget to take that step back and and see how far it's really come from back in the day I think you know it's it's quite common. You know, some of the best products are really you know comes to market because of what you just described. You know, people need to have a you know solution to a problem, and you know they they make it their own design, and eventually you know somebody says this is really cool, this is really good, this is something we're going to do something about. So, you know, you know it takes some takes some some skills and some some courage to you know drive that process forward and and you know and some help from other people like there's been a lot of like good people along the way which have have also helped us to get to to where we are like yeah. especially from being these handmade lanyards made in the garage on a sewing machine 
Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've had a lot of help from a lot of really good people in the industry and outside of the industry. So, yeah, it's like, I can't take all of the credit by any stretch of the imagination. Like, you know, Hewlett Packard also started in the garage. So, you know, uh, you're on the right path there. Hewlett Packard? Oh, really? They started in the garage, yeah. So you're on the right path. Oh, my Apple. God. They're uh, Apple. Fortune 500s, <laughs> huge company. <laughs> so, uh, you know, these days, tell us a little bit about your typical, you know, day at the office. What does it look like? Um, I'm not sure there's a typical day because it kind of changes throughout the year. But... Um, at the minute, there's been a lot of R&D work, um, which has been fantastic. And because we're getting to the end of the year, like I've been, I've been running spreadsheets and crunching numbers and putting together the end of year reports for our distributors. So, like putting together the documents that will go out to them um, as like a review of the year, and so. So sitting there crunching numbers, like, that's not glamorous at all. But then um, getting to play with, like, prototypes and stuff is is the fun side of it. So it all kind of balances out. But typically, um, there's a lot of dealer interaction. So I'm in contact with um, our dealers around Australia and New Zealand and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of keeping in touch with them and... Um, and looking after customers, yeah, but right. yeah, yeah, it kind of changes, like, you're in product development mode for a while, and then all of a sudden, something comes to market, and then you're in the getting it out there, talking to dealers, and all of that yeah. sort of mode. Has to be done, huh? Oh, yeah, so, uh, I love side of it. Cool. <laughs> Tell us about your, your funnies on the job story. In recoil. Um, yeah. Or yeah, as an arbor. As an arbor. Sure. Yeah. Well, in recoil, actually, um, I suppose not that long ago, I was out testing one of these um, one of these products. So the camera was set up um, just to do a, uh, a recording session to send over to the product testers so that they could see something in action before it came over to them. And I'd set up the camera, and we're in northern Australia here, so there's a few weird bugs in this part of the country. Yeah. And I'd shot a line up this tree, and it was a beautiful, smooth bark tree. Like, um, up here, a lot of the eucalypts have got really, really white bark, and they're smooth all the way to the ends. They've got huge spreads on them. And I was like, this is an awesome tree to climb and have a swing around. Pulled the rope up there, and I was on SRT, so I was on a wrench um, hitch climber setup, and I was SRTing up there, and I got up to the union, flicked my pole belt around, clicked in, and then started looking around the tree, and then bang, this weird thing landed on my arm, and I was like, "That's a really weird wasp. It looked like a green ant crossed with a wasp." It landed on my arm. I was like, oh, that's weird. And I went to blow it off. And then I felt something on the back of my neck. And then all of a sudden, like, I was getting stung by these oh. things. And then I 
luckily I could literally just unflip my my lanyard and then like descend out because I was on SRT. So I bombed yeah. out the tree, unclipped, like sprinted for the car, locked myself in the car with the air conditioning on. And then later, um, we went back and grabbed the video, and the whole thing's on video of me like this, slapping <laughs> these bugs off of me. And that was meant to go over to the testers, but obviously I, I didn't send that. And um, my very lovely, supportive missus pissed herself. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. that just with the job being up here. <laughs> Oh, well. Well, you know, we had a conversation with uh, a lady from Norway. Uh, she had a similar experience. You know, she was running into her doctors, uh, you know, bare naked. Oh, no yeah. way. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's part of being, like, out in nature. You, you take the yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I know, I, you know a, a very close friend of mine, he lived in, in Melbourne for five years, so uh, I'm, I'm aware of, you know, your... your uh, the bugs and you know the um, the animals that you have to deal with down there the creepy crawlies like there's some hardcore snakes down in melbourne like when yeah, you start squirrel, there's some gnarly snakes <laughs> crazy so uh, i think you know uh now we have we have some questions uh, from the audience that i want to shoot at you awesome so um you know for this is from the, the stumpy arborist you know he says he loves the full full reach um why do you choose to make lanyards without a tear weight? Oh, so that's interesting, actually. So, one, you know, I was talking earlier about product development, and you can yeah. get to the 11th hour and then go, this yeah. won't work for whatever reason. We've got a tear away full reach lanyard. Like, we've got one which we developed, and, um, so it's got a pouch at the base of it, like um, similar to the Teufelberger one, and it's got the tearaway built into it as well. So it's all in one unit. And because we're not a huge business, um, the level of testing that we were going through to, to get it to market, so because it's a tearaway product but because it's not to the same standards as a fall arrest screamer like a, the tearaway is on fall arrest harnesses you're testing it in a similar way to that but um but you need to put together your own method for it so it was in the end it's costing us a thousand dollars per drop uh per drop test every time we were doing the prototype runs so wow. Each prototype run would need to do a minimum of five drops, like of, of five different prototypes, a minimum of five, so that we can start looking at the averages and comparing how they're tearing away and, um, and why they're tearing away like in this way and making sure that everything is correct across them. And in the end, with prototyping products, you've got a break-even point. So you go, okay, then how much money is being invested in the R&D of this product versus how much money, um, like how many units will it take for us to recoup the R&D price? And can we even sell that many lanyards? And it was getting to a point where 
I don't know that we're going to be able to recoup the costs of developing this because we're a small business. So we're, we're using third party test centers uh, for our development process. So they're using yeah. high speeds, uh, high speed cameras with fast sampling uh, load cells to record all the drops. Like it was costing us a decent wedge of cash and to cut a long story short, we do have slash we did have a a tearaway full reach lanyard in development and it got to the 11th hour and we just never released it okay so uh, the, sh the short answer is uh, insufficient roi huh <laughs> that's well you know something might happen in the future uh we we have a next one here uh this is from uh Walmart in in uh in Austria. Austria yeah. So why do uh, the lanyards have no rings or why don't your lanyards have any rings on them? Oh, mainly because, so if you girth hitch the full reach lanyard onto, um, onto the, the back of a chainsaw, onto the back of a 200 or 201, um, or if you're using a Husky, whichever, that's fine. The ring will pass through that size girth hitch like comfortably. But when you go to girth hitch, um, it's around the handle. So when it's got the top handle attachments, if you try and fit, because you've got the diameter of the handle plus a ring to fit into that length girth hitch, to keep that girth hitch and the attachment point on that girth hitch really tight so that it's not like a sloppy attachment point, we couldn't put a ring in there as well. Okay. Yeah, so so that was kind of like the compromise within the design. Okay, okay, cool. So, um, <clears throat> do we have any other uh, questions from the audience, or do you have any questions for us? Uh, you know what? I suppose we're connecting more and more with people around the world, and we're starting to get more and more um, connections with people in Sweden and. Like by connections, it's nothing official. It's more just chatting with people on Instagram. And one dude, which I've like very loosely connected with from, I, I believe he's in Sweden. He's at ST3FFO. I'm not sure if he wants that pronounced like Stevo or something like that. I believe he's um, he's an arborist in your part of the world. Um, okay. I'm wondering. If, if you knew him, if he's a customer of yours, and if there's un any other people that we need to be following from Sweden that, you know, would be great to connect with. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. You know, we, we can have this conversation offline after after this, so, uh, you know, we can hook up and, and, you know, talk about that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think uh, it's, it's time to, uh, to call it a day. Uh, you know, Dan's been very nice talking to you. Um, you know, Saturday, Saturday night, I suppose you going out to dinner or cook your dinner uh, soon. So, um, um, yeah, yeah, it's about dinner time. It's just coming up to seven. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just want to say uh, thank you, everybody, for, for watching this episode. It's been very nice to have you on. If you missed this, uh, you know, you can see it on our IGTV or on our YouTube channel. So uh, very nice to have you on uh, to hear about, you know, your, your endeavors and your products and, you know, the developing process and all that. So um, 
we're really looking forward to see more product from uh, from your company uh, in 2021 and uh, hope uh, you know development is going good uh, you know the the process so um, um, have a very nice Saturday a very nice Saturday night uh, in Australia and up here uh, day had just started so uh, take care talk to you next week everybody Thanks, bye it's been a pleasure thank you take care